Come on, it is awesome. Hey, this has been an incredible weekend for us as a nation. Uh, we have been celebrating Veterans Day. It's been like Veterans Weekend around our house. My father-in-law, Frank Cope, is here, and, and uh, Vietnam vet, served uh, in the United States Air Force, serving there for about 28 years as well. And so I know that it was a little confusing because on Friday it was observed, right? Our phones told us that, observed. And schools had special programs and things like that. Yesterday was the actual day. So we honored him Friday and Saturday. And then, and then I just said, hey, you're going to get some at 1910 on Sunday too. Because we love our veterans in this house. Amen. And so here's what we're going to do today. Here's what we're going to do today. I'm going to make the veterans stand and sing the national anthem. Now, just kidding. We're not going to do that. But we would like to honor and recognize the veterans that are in the house. So if you served in the Army, United States Army, would you stand right now? Come on, you Army guys. Right there. I see them. Hey, can we get these house lights all the way up, Ben? Look at those guys. Awesome. That's great. Okay, you guys can have a seat for a second. How about any Marines in the house? Any Marines in the house, right? These guys. Amazing. I, I said Marines earlier in the first service, and one of them yelled out at me. It was like, oorah, or something like that. Y'all just had a birthday, we know, right? The Marine Corps just had their birthday. How, how about any Navy, any Navy men or women in the house? Come on. I love it. I love it. That's great. You guys are awesome. Air Force, where are you at, Air Force? Off we go into the wild blue yon. Yeah, you guys are amazing. How about any Coast Guard, any Coast Guard in the house today? Right here, come on. That's so good. Now I'd like for all of you veterans to stand right now collectively at one time if you would, all of you veterans standing. Here's what I'd like to ask you guys to do. Next Sunday, would y'all wear your uniform for us, please? <laughs> I know. It, it has shrunk, hadn't it? Yeah. In, in the dry cleaning, it shrunk somehow. Seriously, veterans, we want to thank you, men and women, for your service, not only to our nation, but literally to those around the world. You see, that's the great thing about our armed forces. Listen, for for for. All you may want to say about our nation right now, listen, we are still defending not only the rights and freedoms of people here within these United States of America, but literally around the world as well, responding to needs and circumstances and, and, and trying to, to better the lives of people globally. And so I just want you to know that oftentimes we don't thank you enough. And to be honest with you, Veterans Day should be 365 days and not just the one, right? Um, but on behalf of our nation, we want to thank you men and you women for serving our nation. You've made tremendous sacrifices. And, and, and I just want to share this with you, that when I read scripture and when you read about sacrifice, God's blessing always follows behind that. And I don't know what that might turn out to be in your life, but I'm just praying God's blessing over you men and women, our veterans of the United States of America. Here's what I would like for us to do right now, and this is gonna be awkward and weird, but look and find one of these veterans that 
just needs some extra prayer today. No, I'm just kidding. I want you to find somebody. If you don't mind getting up and just going and laying hands on one of our veterans right now, and we're going to pray over them collectively. If you don't want to move, that's okay. Just reach your hands out that direction as well. And even right now, would you just begin to pray and thank God for them and for their service? Okay, but let's pray. Lord Jesus, I want to thank you today for the men and women that have served our nation so faithfully, bravely. God, they, they, they've run into the face of, of, of danger oftentimes. They've made tremendous sacrifice of, of, of maybe the other jobs or plans that they had. They've sacrificed time away from family and their friends. They've placed themselves in the line of some adverse, difficult circumstances. Why? Because, God, they answered a call on their lives. And we as a nation are so thankful for that, aren't we, church? We are so thankful for their sacrifice and their willingness to say, I will go. Here I am. I'll go. I'll go. And, Father, I pray a special blessing over the veterans today. Lord, I pray not just today, but every day. I pray that they would feel our gratitude as a nation. Lord, that we would look for ways to show our appreciation to them so that we can enjoy living in the greatest nation in the world, the rights and the freedoms that that brings to us. And God, although we know that we may be tattered and broken right now, the flag still flies. And God, this nation will be great. It will because there are great men and women that have served so faithfully. And God, for those that are currently serving today, I pray protection. For them and for their loved ones back home, Lord, I pray that today would be a day of peace. Replenish them and let them know of our great love. Father, again, thank you for for these men and women. Bless them in a powerful, mighty way. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said amen. Amen. Come on, one more round of applause. Can we do that? Anybody got tissue? Allergy season or something. Come on, seriously. Anybody got tissue? (laughs) Because I don't want the people watching online to see. Just go to commercial break or something. (laughs) What do we have as a commercial? (laughs) Woo! Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. We love you guys. Hey, listen, we're in this series entitled Fire. And and we kind of have been talking about fire from from maybe a a nice, comfortable, cozy perspective today. And I just want to give you a heads up right now. And I'll give you an opportunity to leave. But today's sermon... Is, is, is one in which the fire is, is, is going to maybe not be as pleasant as what it's been talked about and discussed over these last few weeks. You see, I, to, to, to today the fire uh, is, is going to be a message about a, a purifying fire that I believe uh, needs to, 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 to come on all of us. Because I, I don't know where you're at, and I think I made this comment last Sunday that, uh, that listen, there, there's, there's another level that God has for every one of us. And, and I don't know where you're at. You're here, you're here, what, but I just believe there's a, there's a greater calling, and there's, there's another level that, that the Father wants you to go. He wants to take you. He's not done with you is what I'm saying. Are you with me? And he wants to take you somewhere else. And, 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 and let, 
I, I think a, a refining, purifying fire, I believe, might just need to be the thing that comes up on us in order for us to move and go where God wants us to go, okay? Now, listen, you need not be afraid of the refiner's fire. The refiner's fire is not the fire of judgment that is another type of fire that will come one day and consume and burn everything. But we're talking about a refining fire that I believe needs to take place in our lives so that we can be who God is called us to be. Now, it might be uncomfortable, it might bring some displeasure, and it, it might sting and hurt a little bit figuratively, but I'm telling you, it's for your good. So can we go there today? I hope you'll let me, because that's the sermon, and, and I want us to, I would feel, I mean, I could talk about David and Goliath, I mean, but, but I believe that this is where God wants us to go, go today. Now, we've been praying and asking for fire of heaven to come and, and, and we've been making statements like, man, you know, what, what our world needs is to, needs to see a church ablaze, right? We've talked about how we can't start this fire that, that God wants to, us to be consumed with, that it, that it must come from heaven above. It must come from his work within us. We've talked about that the moment that a person says yes to Jesus, this flame of God is placed within them, right? For me, it was at the age of nine years old, in the third grade, that, that God's flame came into my life, right? Now, he, he wants to grow that flame and he wants it to become a, a raging inferno within me, right? And that's his desire. His desire is that, that he wants to be everything in me and consume it. He wants, to, he wants to, to be the power. He wants to be that dunamis, right? That source of power that I operate in. He wants, he, he, he wants me to, to, to be a, um, a reflection to other people as to his flame within me, okay? That when people look at me, they ought to get a better picture as to who Jesus is, right? Dave, the words I share with people ought to be words that Jesus would share. The decisions I make ought to be decisions that, that, that Jesus would make. I respond to circumstances the way, listen, that's when that flame has consumed me. Am I making sense to anybody? And so we've been talking about those types of things. Well, today I want us to kind of shift gears a little bit. We're, 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 we're gonna talk about our, a refining fire that I believe all of us need. There's dross, and we've sang a song, and there's an old hymn that talks about burning away the dross, the D-R-O-S-S, -S, the dross. Dross are those things that, that, that gold or precious metals go through the, 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 when the flame is added to, to that metal. The, the dross is that impurity, that unclean aspect of what's present. It rises to the top, and, 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 and the, the, the goldsmith or the, 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 the silversmith Scrape that mess away once it surfaces, right? Listen, today there needs to be a scraping away in our lives. Today, that's what I believe God wants to do in all of our lives. There, there's some dross. There, there, there are some impurities that, that God has, has hopefully been, been signaling to you over these last few weeks as we've talked about it. And, 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 and the fire is lit and he wants that stuff to rise in your life today and he wants to wipe it away and get rid of it. Why? Because here's the deal. God has great things that he wants to do through you. And so today I thought it would be great for us to look at the Bible and read a story of an individual that went through this process that I just described to you. And this is a very familiar story in the Old Testament. We believe in the whole Bible here at 1910 Church. We do. And so we're going to look at an Old Testament prophet and a story from the book of Isaiah. 
Isaiah chapter 6, beginning of verse 1, the word of the Lord says this. It was in the year that King Uzziah died that I saw the Lord. Wouldn't that be awesome to get a vision of God? Isaiah said he was sitting on a lofty throne and the train of his robe filled the temple. And attending him were mighty seraphim, each having six wings. With two wings, they covered their faces. With two, they covered their feet. And with two, they flew. And they were calling out to each other, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. The whole earth is filled with his glory. And their voices shook the temple to its foundations. And the entire building was filled with smoke. Would that not be awesome? And then I said, it's all over. I am doomed for I am a sinful man. I have filthy lips and I live among a people with filthy lips. Yet I have seen the king, the Lord of heaven's armies. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a a burning coal that he had taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. And he touched my lips with it and said, See, this coal has touched your lips. Now your guilt is removed and your sins are forgiven. Then I heard the Lord asking, Whom should I send as a messenger to his people? Who will go For us, I said, here I am, send me. Lord, I pray that today that your word would be taught well, that it would be received by listening ears, and that the response would be, Spirit directed. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Isaiah must have been overwhelmed with this vision. I mean, can you imagine seeing the Lord seated on a throne? Can you imagine seeing the robe, uh, the train of his robe filling the temple? Can you imagine hearing these these angelic beings, these seraphim flying and singing in, 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 in probably the most wonderful, on-pitch, harmony-sounding song. Holy, 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 over and over again. Can you imagine the scene? Your reaction probably, if you were honest with yourselves, would have been one much like Isaiah's, Right? In the midst of seeing who God is and and hearing his praises being sung, you you probably would have been broken. You probably would have responded in the same way as I would, just as Isaiah did. I am not fit for this. (laughs) I am undone. I am unclean. I am doomed. Why would Isaiah feel that way? What made him 
feel as if he was coming apart. I believe that it could have been one of two things. Maybe, first of all, the, the sight and the sound of these angelic beings, these seraphim flying around. But, but secondly, it could have been just the vision of the Lord God himself. You see, when Isaiah saw the angels in all their holy humility and obedience and praise to God, he realized that he was unlike the Lord God. He was also unlike the angels. They could cry out, holy, 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 and praise God so beautifully, but he could not. He could not because he, as he declares the self-admonition, I am a man of filthy or unclean lips. I cannot say holy, 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 which these seraphs are exclaiming. They are holy, but I am not. They see God, yet they live. I have seen him. I must die because I am unholy. You see, in Isaiah chapter 6 here, when Isaiah saw the Lord, he knew what kind of man he was. He was honest with with himself in that moment. In seeing God and experiencing his presence, he understood who he was in that moment. And as poorly as he compared to to the seraphim, there was that was nothing in relation to how he compared to the Lord. The vision of God. Wow. Was it just a dream or was it an actual experience? But this vision that he had of of clarity of who God was, of the throne of God, it did not make Isaiah immediately feel good about himself. I just, have you ever thought about that moment that you are in the presence of God? I, I, I've got to be honest with you. I've thought oftentimes, and I know that, that, that because of Jesus and what Jesus has done, the work in my life, I know that that makes me right in God's eyes. I know that, right? Jesus and my relationship with him is what makes me right before the Father. But I've got to be honest with you. I've oftentimes thought about in, in, in the given present of my life, if, 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 if I were to be before God, how would I feel in his presence? Would there be any embarrassment for some things that I was currently participating in? Would there be some, some, some thoughts that I know that he knows that I have that, that I know hurt his heart? Is there, are there some relationships that, that, that maybe God has given me opportunities to write and, and I've just not made those? You ever been there? Have you ever thought those types of things? Okay, so it's not just me, right? I think Isaiah is, is having one of those moments. Where, where, where he, he's a prophet. I mean, he is, he is one of those men that, that God has, is, he's the mouthpiece of God himself. God is gonna use Isaiah to speak to, to people on, on God's behalf. He's gonna use him. But in that moment, Isaiah understands, oh my goodness, oh Lord, there is so much dross. There is so much stuff in my life. I am not fit to be in your presence, much less fit to speak on your behalf. You see, the more clearly he saw the Lord, the more clearly he saw how bad his state was. Wow. 
Isaiah's deep sense of depravity is, is consistent with the experience that we find throughout Scripture of other godly men who also came into the presence of the Lord. I think of Job. I, I, I think of men like Daniel and, and even Peter and John. They each had similar experiences in, in, in beholding the presence of the Lord, understanding who he is and where they were. I am doomed, Isaiah said. I am undone. And in that moment, I think Isaiah probably carried a lot of the same sentiment that you and I would feel in that same moment because of who we are and the things that are active and present in our life. I would just like to offer to you that maybe feeling undone and maybe feeling doomed is not such a bad place to be. At least if your response is one of Isaiah's. You see, I think, first of all, that it's healthy for us to admit that we're doomed or that we're undone. I think it's healthy for us to admit that there are some things in my life that just are not right in, in God's eyes. Am I talking to anybody? I think it's okay. In fact, I love what the great preacher Charles Haddon Spurgeon said. He said, God will never do anything with us till he has first of all undone us. You see, there's an undoneness that needs to take place in our lives before God can ever use us. There is a doom, you might say, that must take place in, 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 in our psyche or understanding of where we are before God can ever set us ablaze to go in his name. Come on now, this is the good part. There must be an undoneness in all of us. And, and I just think that we're so good about maybe gathering like this putting on some makeup and throwing on some nice clothes and some of you even spritzed yourself with something today. If you're a teenager, probably a lot of Axe body spray. <laughs> and we can come into settings like this, even in the presence of God, and not have an Isaiah moment. You know why? Because we don't admit that we are undone. We like to send the persona, the image, the vibe that we've got it all together. Right? Stay woke. We're going to keep it all together. Nothing's wrong with us. Look at, we've got, and I just think in order for us to be used by God in the day and times in which God needs holy, anointed men and women of God in these, listen, we're going to have to come to that place where we say, I'm doomed. I, I'm done. These angelic beings were present with God, but they also noticed the presence of Isaiah. It says that one of these angelic beings, Isaiah, they were surrounding the throne of God, but they began to minister to Isaiah in his undoneness. Are you with me? One of those flew to Isaiah, Scripture says, with a live coal, which means that that coal was still hot, that coal was still burning. It was so hot that even the angel, it says in Isaiah 6, had to use tongs from the altar. The altar, you thought about the altar? The altar. 
This must have been heaven's version of the altar of incense that was set before the Holy of Holies in the tabernacle of God. Now, we know that the earthly tabernacle from the book of Exodus that God instructed Moses to build, it was made after the pattern of a heavenly reality. In fact, if you want to know the, what, what heaven might look like, the, what really know what heaven is going to you, you can look at the throne of God area of heaven. If you want to know what that looks like, you can look and study the tabernacle here on earth to, to, to get a, a little model of what it's going to look like. Because God instructed Moses in Exodus 25, he says, listen, build this tabernacle and its furnishings exactly according to the pattern that I will show you. And so because it's the model of heavenly things, the, the earthly tabernacle, uh, it probably even had coals around the altar within it that were burning. Just as these coals and this vision that Isaiah had of the heavenly altar, coals burning and aflame. Now, this is important for us to remember from this vision of Isaiah. Do you remember in verse 1, it says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, and he was what? Seated where? On the throne. Listen, this is important for us to remember. The throne is for God. That's where he rules. That's where he reigns. This altar is for us. You see, that is where the, the, we, we find cleansing. That's where we find the purging from our sin. We should never confuse the two, but we do. You see, someone listening here today, you think you sit on the throne. You try to rule and reign your own life. You set your agenda. You do the things you want to do. You make those purchases and you spend your money the way you want to spend them. You get frustrated when a, a, a pastor in a, in a really cool shirt that got a fresh haircut this morning, says, hey, listen, we would love for you to give for kingdom work. By the way, can I just tell you something? We need to celebrate. We had a $100,000 gift given this week to our building program. I think you can clap towards that. Yeah, 100000 not $100, $100,000. Angie, thanks for writing that check for our family. Appreciate that. Amen. Yeah, if we just get 19 people to do that. Anyway. But you know what we try to do? We try, do we not live in a day and age in which there are so many people that are sitting on the throne of their own life thinking that they are God? You see, Isaiah in his undoneness and in this doomed moment, he sees God for who he is and he begins to understand, oh, whoa, whoa. He might have had a high self-view of who he was, but in the presence of God, he pales in comparison. Listen, the God that Isaiah saw in Isaiah chapter 6 is the one true God, the God that rules and reigns, who is seated on the throne. And you know that that's what someone who sits on the throne is called a king. And he rules and he reigns. And just maybe for someone listening here today, your life right now is so chaotic. There's frustration. There's disillusion. You're trying to figure out... How am I going to just make it through? I'm telling you, I'm telling you, get off the throne and let the king who deserves to sit there, let him have complete dominion over you. That's what you need. The throne is for God. The altar is for us. You see, the altar is where this purging and cleansing takes place. In fact, I'm just going to get heads up right now. We're going to have an altar call today. Because it said the altar 
is where refinement takes place, where purifying takes place. This fire was taken from the altar to indicate that it was the divine or heavenly work of God. Even in the earthly tabernacle, you know, the law forbade that any strange fire be brought to the altar. Isaiah was taught that all purity flows from God alone. How can a young man keep his way pure, scripture says, by living according to your word? Purity flows from God. And Isaiah understood that whatever process needs to happen right now, I need it. That seraphim touched his mouth with that hot burning coal. Must have been painful. A burning hot coal applied to the lips. Have you ever thought about that? I mean, the most, probably one of the most sensitive areas of a person's body. Yet there's nothing written in Isaiah chapter 6 about Isaiah's reaction to that pain, is there? You were, it's interesting, isn't it? Now, maybe the pain was, was, was he, he experienced no pain, maybe because of, of this special blessing by God, or, or maybe just the pain did not matter because of the majesty and the surroundings and the goodness of the cleansing. Did you hear that? Maybe the pain did not matter because of the goodness of the cleansing. Friends, listen, you need not be afraid of the purifying, cleansing fire of God. It is for your good. It is for your good. Isaiah knew that he did not serve the Lord like these seraphim did, these burning ones. And so God said, you know what? I'm going to light a fire in you. I'm going to light a fire in you. That's why this burning coal was used to purify Isaiah. Spurgeon went on to say another quote from Spurgeon. He said, Jehovah, who is a consuming fire, can only fitly be served by those who are on fire, whether they be angels or men. Do you know what that means? Is that God wants to do a work through us, much like these seraphim were doing in Isaiah 6. That he wants to set us ablaze just as they were to do a work on behalf of God Almighty. Is that not humbling to you? Listen, and this work is not just for paid pastors. It's for the blood bought, the redeemed, everyone that has said yes to Jesus Christ. And if you haven't said yes to him, check this out. He wants to do that through you, so say yes to him first. But he wants to use you. Oh, you don't know my past. I don't know your past. That's why it's called your past. There's a great future. Quit living in the past. Embrace your future, embrace your calling, embrace what you were created for, and that is to be used by God. Isaiah cried out, woe is me, I'm undone. We might think that a burning coal to the lips would be painful. We might think that a burning coal to the lips would be more painful than a, than a vision of the holy God, but for Isaiah, no, no, no. It was more disturbing to see the holiness of God and to see his lack of it. That's what caused him great pain. That's why you don't hear, hear him saying, ouch. No. You see, what hurt Isaiah's heart was to see God in all of his glory and majesty and to realize, you are God and I am not. Notice it wasn't Isaiah's work in this story, but it was God's work. 
Isaiah was simply called to recognize the condition of his life, but God's work was that of the cleansing once Isaiah recognized his condition. You see, for someone here today, you need to understand something, that all God wants you to do is to acknowledge your condition. He doesn't even ask you to reform. That will eventually come. But what he is asking you today in this moment is just to acknowledge and to confess your sin to him. And can I just remind you what it says in the book of 1 John? 1 John chapter 1, verse 9 says, If we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. You see, that's what God wants to do in your life today. You know what you deserve because of your sinfulness, right? Scripture tells us that as well. You deserve death. Isaiah did not deserve to just have a burning coal touch his lips and cleanse him. No, no, no. He deserved death because of his wickedness. And do you know that that's what you and I deserve? But aren't you thankful that that's not the God we serve? That he's a God of love and he has given us an opportunity to receive forgiveness of our wickedness and forgiveness of our sins and yet still be used by him in a mighty way. But that comes when you first acknowledge and confess your mess to him. That's what Isaiah did. You've got to confess your sin. You've got to have a woe is me. You've got to have an I'm an undone man or woman. I am doomed. I am filthy. You've got to let that happen first before your crookedness could be made straight. What a glorious thing it is, the work of God. It's a glorious thing. And all of it comes immediately upon the acknowledgement and confession of my sin. That's what happened to Isaiah. Once he declared that, Once that coal touched his lips, the fire of judgment that he deserved was removed. You see, that's what happens to us as well. You see, God loved us, his great love for us. Scripture says that God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. You see, that's God's plan for your life. God wants you to receive this gift of salvation. He wants you to escape the flames of judgment. And you do that by receiving this free gift of salvation through his son, Jesus. Are you with me there? You see, that's the significance of the symbolic action in Isaiah chapter 6. The removal of the prophet's guilt and sin. Listen, and listen, he was living in a time his nation needed him to be purged and cleansed of his sin. Listen, all around Isaiah during this time, the Judites, they, they, they needed Isaiah to respond as he did here in Isaiah chapter 6. You see, most members of that nation were refusing at that time to admit they had a spiritual need. Rewind the tape. Most of the members of that nation at that time were refusing to admit that they had a spiritual need. I know that would never happen in this day and age. We all understand our brokenness. We all understand that we are in need of a Savior. We all know that, listen, what's going to change this nation is Jesus. We all know that, right? No, no. We are just like them, aren't we? And we can continue just as they did during the time of Isaiah to go through our practices of sacrifice, bringing our sacrifice to the priests and letting them lay it all on the altar, asking them to, listen, what we need is what 
the people in Isaiah's time needed. We need the purifying action of God's fire to cleanse us. That's what we need. That's what we need. That same principle works on our behalf in regard to Jesus' work on Calvary. You see, our sin was placed on him. And he, in that moment, as he hung on the cross, was burned with the fire of God's judgment. Yet because he was holy and righteous himself, the fire of God's judgment did not harm him. It only burned away the sin, our sin. I love these words of of David in, in Psalm chapter 32, verse 1. David says, oh, what joy. Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. Are you thankful that your sin has been forgiven? And in verse 5, David goes on to say, I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord, and you forgave me. All my guilt is gone. So here's the deal today. We need cleansing. We need to be forgiven. You need to know that God wants to do a work in your life. And God will work in your life if you give him the opportunity. That's the call today. That's the challenge. That's why we're going to come to the altar. That's why we're going to bow before the Lord, the God of, of Israel, the God of us. And ask him to purify and cleanse us. The effect of that live coal on your lip can be a heavenly flame setting you ablaze to go and to make a difference. I don't want to hear anymore, teach me to listen. I don't want to see anymore, give me a vision. That you could move this heart to be set apart. I don't need to recognize the man in the mirror. I don't want to trade your plan for something familiar. I can't waste the day, I can't stay the same. I wanna be different, I wanna be changed. Tomorrow is gone, and all that remains is fire so bright. The I don't want to spend my life 
today if that's our true heart's desire. Today the altar's open. I want to ask you to come if that's your desire today. Lord, I want to be different. Lord, I'm asking for the burning coal of heaven to come and set my lips ablaze today, Father. Purify me. Cleanse me, Lord. If that's your prayer, you come today. Call it out to the Lord. What is it, Father, that is keeping me today? What is keeping me from being the man or the woman that you've called me to be? God, what is it that is suppressing this flame that you want to bring that you want to blaze within me, God. Today I lay it at the altar, Father. Lord, would you just touch my lips and purify me and cleanse me, Lord. God, I want to be different. I want to be changed, Lord. Lord, I want to be set ablaze. I want people to see a difference in me, God. I want the whole world to see that it's you, Jesus, in me. Lord, thank you for the cross. The cross says I'm worth it. And God, I pray that today you would set me ablaze. Oh, Holy Spirit, touch our lips today. What is it in your life? Acknowledge that before him. You need to confess that. You need to confess that. Is it pride? Confess that. Is it pride? Is there some sort of addiction that you struggle with that you know is not of God? Is there some other thing stealing your time and your focus? What is it? Selfishness, laziness, what is it? Is there a porn problem in your life? Hey, what is that thing hindering and limiting the work of God? Is there a relationship issue that needs to be made right? Come on. You declare that before the Father today. Listen, there's a fire that he wants to bring. It's a refiner's fire. It's a purifying fire. Listen, he, he's not out to, to destroy you. Hey, listen, he had every right to cause you not to wake up this morning, but you're here. He's not finished with you yet. Come on, let the refiner's fire come today so that you can live different. Come on, there's something that he wants to accomplish through your life today. Tell him right now. Maybe you're here today, and listen, you need to know that in order to be used by God, first of all, you need to receive the gift of His Son, Jesus, in your life. Our ministry team's available today. They're doing ministry right now over those that are praying. They're serving right now. They're praying over those right now. And maybe you're here today and say, I need Jesus first of all. I need the flame to come into my life. I need Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for taking on my sin. Thank you, Jesus, for, for, for coming in and uh, or taking my sin and, and taking on the fire of God's judgment on my behalf. Thank you that I can be made new in you. The past can be the past, and there's an incredible future you have for my life. Thank you, Lord. 
Jesus, I receive you today. I acknowledge that I need you to be king of my life. I need you to be Lord over everything. Thank you for saving me in this moment and for making me a new creation. If that's you here today, I want you to come and tell one of my friends down front as well. They would love to answer that Jesus question for you. But Lord, for all of us, I pray that we would allow your Holy Spirit just to do a work in us. What our country needs to see, our individuals set ablaze by the fire of God. God, we know that that's your desire. You're not finished with us. There's a work you want to do in us. And then there's, God, a work you want to do through us. So, Father, bring the refiner's fire. Touch our lips. Make us pure and holy just as you are pure and holy. And, Lord, my prayer is that this week that people would see Jesus in us, that we would live differently, that we would be holy. That word holy means different, set apart, consecrated before the Father. God, that's how you want us to live this week. And God, we're gonna live that way. Not for our glory, but for yours. For your glory. It's in the name of Jesus we pray these things. Amen. Thank you guys, you're dismissed.